Calling all benders and non-benders alike. Jump into the epic world of Avatar with your favorite podcast, Avatar, Braving the Elements. Hosted by me, Janet Varney. And me, Dante Bosco. Each week we'll recap and discuss a new episode. So come join us and our amazing guests from creators to cast to superfans to chat about all things Avatarverse. It's Fire Nation time. Book of Fire. Let's go. Listen to Avatar Braving the Elements wherever you get your podcasts. What is up, everybody? Welcome to The Stack. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And in The Stack, we talk about a bunch of big comic books that have come out right here at the beginning of December. Very exciting times to be alive in. Everybody is very happy, excited, doing a great job. We're Uh, all doing a great job. Let's take a (laughs) second and enjoy. Let's not pat ourselves on the back. you're doing a great job. No, don't patronize me, all right? Fuck you. Don't don't patronize him. Do you know who else is doing a great job? The King in Black. He's really just really putting himself out there in the Marvel Universe, really invading a bunch of stuff with his uh, wet dragons, I like to call them. They are moist (laughs) dragons. (laughs) King in Black, number one, for Marvel, written by Donny Cates, art by Ryan Stegman. This, of course, is the, uh, I don't know if it's the final storyline, but it's certainly the peak of everything that they've been building up over the past couple of years through Venom and other storylines as the Venom. King in Black, Null, the god of the symbiotes, invades Earth. And, man, it goes basically about as bad as things could go. And I don't know that I have read a kickoff to an event where the heroes lose so thoroughly as they do in this issue, which, in my mind, was very impressive. Yeah, I yeah. agree. Like the way they go hard here, the Donny Cates goes hard with this story. Like it's all a, it's a ton of big emotional beats, and then heroes just losing every plan, failing instantly, and setting up Null as this like truly terrifying villain, despite the fact that he's fighting with wet dragons. Yeah, uh, what an entrance uh, the king made here. I think it was. Great start. What's nice is building on everything that's been going on. And then the twist where you think, all right, he's after Venom. And it's like, no, Venom's kid. And it's like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. Pete, you're riding with the king is what you're saying. You yeah, love I'm the ri- king. And- yeah, I, I got to be honest. Uh, even though I've really enjoyed what Donnie and Ryan have been doing on this tile, I was a little trepidatious about this event just because – no, to me, the design of it, it was like, ah, he has very big teeth. I don't like that. Mm. Uh, and the whole Venom thing, I always feel reticent about in general, just because Venom is not my favorite character. But I should have known better. Venom. 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 You, you like a drier character like Sandman. I like a, yeah, like a nice dry character. Like a Sandman is more my style. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I, but I should have known better because they've been, like you said, Justin, they've been doing emotionally based work on this title throughout the entire time. This is based on Eddie Brock's relationship with his son. That is the emotional crux of the issue. Even though there's some good Tony Stark stuff in here, there's some good other character stuff in here. Yeah. Um, but it's great. I am also fascinated to see what happens over the course of five issues because. This is, like we said, as bad as it can get. And it seems like there's four more issues where it's only going to get worse. 
Yeah. What Donny Case does, uh, does a great job at is really including a bunch of other aspects of the Marvel Universe, like you were saying, Alex, and they feel very real. It seems, feels very current. Uh, we get some X-Men in here, and it feels like they just stepped oh, out yeah, of the current X-Men books. Yeah, it's really good, and, uh, and touching on continuity where all the characters know about what's going on in their universe, which I think is rare in, uh, in comics to have a real deep understanding of continuity for something that is a standalone event like this. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, Justin, because I was very excited when I saw the X-Men show up and still be kind of like heroes. They're not just island fucking. You know what I mean? They're not just trading swords and not and half-assing a bunch of games. They're actually still stepping up and being heroes. It would have been great if there was just a cutaway in this to a bunch of X-Men having sex on an island. Like, I would have loved when they were like, I would have lost it. It's weird that they saw that much black goo and did not think uh, this is prime fucking material. You know, this is this is fucking material, says Alex. A couple <laughs> follow up questions. I'm going to ask off Mike um, uh, before we go too much further. I do think the fact that Pete and I are agreeing so hard on this book, there will be one book <laughs> later on, I predict, where Pete and I will have a subtle disagreement. Yeah, it'll be see if you can spot it. Let's see if it's this one. Next up, Batman Catwoman number one from DC Comics, written by Tom King, art by Clay Mann. This is the continuation of Tom King's abbreviated run on Batman, now focusing or continuing to focus on the Batman Catwoman relationship. It's a little hard to tell whether this is a direct continuation or they rejiggered it in any way to make it a new title. But regardless, we're jumping around in time periods here. Spoilers, we're introducing the Phantasm from Mask of the Phantasm into the main Batman yes! continuity. That's big stuff happens here. Um, we talked about this a little on the live show. I got to tell you, it took me a little while to hook into this because I could not remember the rhythm of the Batman book the way they did it. But there was a point, and this is a big spoiler, but the page, the reveal of the Joker about halfway, three-quarters of the way through the issue, was such a classic Clayman page, so terrifying that it immediately sucked me back in emotionally. And that was the point where I started to feel like, okay, I'm really on board with this book again. Yeah, but it wasn't just regular Joker. That was Miami Vice Joker. Did you see the way the wind was Mm -hmm. taking his shirt and you had the the over-the-kind-of-shoulder holsters rocking? Come on, that was like... He could feel it coming in the air tonight. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Like, people talk about three Jokers. There's a fourth one, and that's Miami Vice Joker, and he's the best one. See, I consider it more Miami-Dade County retirement home Joker. Oh, wow. Shots fired. Trump Um, voter Joker. Exactly. This dude votes Trump. Um, (laughs) Clayman's art in this this issue is so, so good. It really – a book that is – all of Tom King's work I feel like is so writer-driven, but man, he works with such great artists and this one uh, and this issue specifically I feel like is so, so good. And I love the – the pace um, and the way that he's telling the story is really rooted in in the romance. There's so many – big romantic splash panels in this and it's great and it's still setting up like a bunch of mystery elements and uh great action just so much going on in a great way um and it's romance it's sexy it's horrifying there's just and then the phantasm reveal it's like i feel like this book is just doing everything all at once in the best way yeah i i agree it's uh i 
really just happened to have happy to have T King back on Batman. T King, uh, I'm, ex- I'm excited to see how this story unfolds, and I've also was really impressed at how much was in this first issue. There was so much going on, but it was also cool the way kind of Nightwing gave us instead of it being like flashbacks to see somebody's story, like to see kind of Nightwing telling the story of the Ghost Maker was really kind of a cool discovery. Wrong book. Oh. Oh, my bad. That's Batman. This is Batman Catwoman. Oh, my fault. My fault. Uh, it's okay. I'll, I'll wait for it. <laughs> uh, Good. Good idea. <laughs> but I also, uh, I really, you know, we talked a lot about the art. It's the like just the way, like just that first title page really setting up like the different cadence, the different kind of like art that really focuses the story. I think it's, uh, it's very interesting. Um, and I'm very excited for Mask of the Phantasm, my favorite Batman movie of all time. So I'm very excited about this. Not Batman Forever? No. Hmm. All right. Nah. Uh, let's move on and talk about Lumberjanes End of Summer, number one from Boombox, written by Shannon yeah. Waters and Kate Lay. Uh, our layouts by Brooklyn Allen, illustrated by Alexa Bozzi and Kadesha C. Bryant. Um, I figured this was really worth talking about because of the last issue of Lumberjanes, a book that we've only sporadically reviewed and I've always appreciated, but always personally had a little bit of a hard time hooking into. Um what do you think about this issue, uh, and how do you think about it as a wrap up to the Lumberjanes saga? I I was really impressed with this issue. I thought like they really did a great job of wrapping things up, but also like we see so many different ways of like characters struggling with the I don't want to kill, like this person should die, but why is it on me? I I felt like this was kind of handled in an interesting way. And the art does a great job of, like, really telling the story. The art is so good. There's, like, a ton of action, but it's a little cartoony to give it that heart that this the kind of story has. Uh, I'm just really impressed with the characterizations, and it's a lot of over-the-top fun, but also it's got a lot of deeper meetings, meeting, me, meaning stuff going on. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it just it goes back and forth between these absolutely hideous evil looking things and these adorable uh characters and they all fit into the same uh realm uh this lumberjanes is a great read it's really creative there's uh, i feel like there's something for everybody it's a good book uh yeah it's it's very fun it dips into some wild sort of fantasy realms uh, in a series of different ways um and i'm sort of in the alex's boat where i'm like oh right oh yes okay and then the way it sort of to pete's point is sort of everything at once sometimes is a little whiplashy but it it is also very fun and uh, and a great read i agree uh and i appreciate the fact that it exists even if i don't quite get it all the time because i know yeah. so many people who love this book so much i believe it's also being uh adapted into an animated series um with by noel stevenson who also did the Shearer series that was phenomenal uh so i'm very excited to see that so even if i i don't quite get the comic i'm glad it exists uh, and I'm excited that it wrapped up on its own terms. Next up, The Union, number one from Marvel, written by Paul Grist, pencils by Andrea DeVia with Paul Grist. Uh, this is a bunch of British superheroes getting together 
and then ultimately crashing straight into the King in Black event. This reminded me a lot or felt a lot to me like a Garth Ennis book that was not written by Garth Ennis. And I mean that complimentarily. Uh, what'd you guys think about this one? Uh, yeah, this this reminded me of, and I feel like maybe I made this comparison already uh, recently, of the Ultraverse book, The Exiles. Um, mm-hmm. You remember that back in the day uh, where yeah. a, a team of superheroes gets just straight up murdered in the first issue um, and then uh, reforms in a, in a sort of different way. And this has that same vibe of like a, a doomed team. And the fact that it's crashing into a a big event um, makes me wonder what what this book actually means. It's a fun book. It's a good story. Um, I like the characters. Union Jack is very cool. And there's a little bit of a mystery here. Um, I was more I was surprised by how much I like this in relation to what kind of book it is. Yeah, I agree with Justin. This is a fun book. Um, uh, some great action, some cool stuff is happening and it ties in not like a must read for everything that's going on, but very, very cool kind of dealing with, uh, stuff kind of from the fallout of the, uh, X of swords or 10 of swords. Wait, what? How is it the fallout of 10 of swords? Because of the, the Britain, uh, you know, the choosing of the kind of like, who's going to be the next kind of different character. It's a different character, Pete. Cool. 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 Awesome. Really I'm killing it. I'm killing it today. <laughs> You're doing a great job. Uh, yeah, it, it is interesting that it ties in, particularly given we had uh, Dennis Hallam on the live show last week, I think, at this point. And he was talking about how Spider-Woman was stuck in the Spider-Verse event. And I couldn't help but think about this the entire time, where it was like, you're launching a book, but it ties into King of Black, kind of, but not really. Um, But it it was uh, cheeky enough and uh, sort of skewering of superheroes enough that I'm intrigued to check out a second issue of this. Next one, Justice League Endless Winter, number one from DC Comics, written by Andy Lanning and Ron Mars, art by Howard Porter. Bunch of seasoned vets getting together for a Justice League event where, as you can probably tell from the title, they fight a frost giant and the entire world is plunged into nonstop winter. Um, I liked this kickoff a lot more than I thought I would, and I think that is all to the fact that Andy Lanning, Ron Mars, and Howard Porter all know what they're doing around a superhero event. Yeah, um, I agree completely. Like, there's a bunch of stuff in here where they're like, how do you really manage your work-life balance? Yeah, uh, that was weird, where the Flash and Green Lantern are like, you know, work-life balance is a hard thing, right? In the middle of this event, we got time to talk about it. Um, but I, I appreciated it. It felt like a Marvel book featuring DC heroes in a good way. Um, and I got to the end, and I was like, oh, this is an event, right? Um, where is this going to go? Because um, to me, it felt a little bit like uh, a one-shot, like a classic DC one-shot um, for the holiday season. Uh, and I do think that DC goes to the whole, the earth is freezing a lot. <laughs> um, there, where the sun gets extinguished was a few years ago. And so I was like, oh yeah, yeah. But it was a good, it was a good, good read for, for this, uh, for this again. Uh, I mean, yeah. I don't want to jump on your spot or everything, but the whole sun extinguished thing was several decades ago. That but- was a long time ago, but I feel like there was another thing. After that, yes. there was like, sure. stop so, not flexing on us. Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's true. Uh, let's Oh, go ahead, Pete. 
I was just going to say, uh, I really love the last page. I think this does a good job of really getting you excited for more. And, uh, yeah, the kind of re- reveals of who else is in this is very exciting. Uh, also fun stuff with, like, Secret Six-type supervillains uh, that could feel disposable in terms of, like, they could have brought in the Royal Flush gag and just had them do their thing where they get beat up in the Justice League. But more fun than that. So... I had a good time reading this comic book, much more fun than I thought I would have. What happens when a robotic overlord imprisons a rant god and a humble narcissist? You get this week's sponsor of Comic Book Club, the Just Been Revoked podcast. Join Chris G., Tom Legacy, and Mr. Race as they discuss the origins, the ends, and everything in between of all things film. Episodes are released weekly on Apple, Spotify, and all other major podcast platforms. Looking for a film podcast that has fun and doesn't take things too seriously? Then check them out at JustBeenRevoked.com. Next up, That Texas that Texas Blood, excuse me, number six, from Image Comics by Chris Condon and Jacob Phillips. This is the end of the first arc. It is as bloody Ooh. and as sad as you might expect. I really liked how this tied up. How'd you guys feel? Uh, I, I've i really been loving this book, but they've been giving us like little bits. It was crazy to get so much in this issue. I almost felt like, whoa, this is too much information because it's been so little. But now we really kind of get the whodunit uh, kind of stuff behind it. So it was a little bit of a shell shock for that. But you can't say enough about the art and writing. This has been continues to be a really great series. I'm excited to see where it goes. Yeah, I agree. This is good. It feels very – I mean there's a, a bunch of um, sort of mentions of this in the back matter. It feels very of the place uh, of Texas where the story takes place. It's right in the title. And it's just <laughs> a series of uh, sort of tragic mistakes by so many different people Um a lot of the characters feel very real. They, there's some nice emotional moments here. It's a great first arc. Very good stuff. Either pick up the individual issues or pick up the collection when it comes out. And it should be back next year. I'm very excited and intrigued to see how they continue it. Particularly given Chris Condon told us this was initially a movie script that now he is doing into not an ongoing, but at least continuing it for a little while. So that'll be curious to see. Next up, let's talk about my favorite book of the week, Pete. Fantastic Four, Road Come Trip on. number yeah. one from Marvel. You are not serious. I'm 100% serious. This Written was... by Christopher Cantwell. Art by Felipe Andrade. Uh, this is a one-shot that shows the immortal Hulkization, I think, of Hulkamania, if you will, Ooh, yeah. of Ooh. the Ooh. Marvel Universe, as Ooh. we get a absolutely horrific story involving the Fantastic Four taking a road trip to the Grand Canyon of the title. Things go horribly wrong. They literally start falling apart. Love the metaphor here. Love the art. I screamed out loud several times reading this book. It was so horrific. Uh, but great. Just fun to read horror story involving the Fantastic Four, like nothing that I had read before. So exciting. This was also one of my favorite books of the week. Like, agree with everything you're saying. Like, we get to see all of the tropes of the Fantastic Four used against them in the best way, Uh, like especially Reed. Um, The art was fantastic. It's truly, I was worried for the gang here. The cover, I... Uh, the cover, I was like, oh, that's a fun sort of horror cover. And then you read the book, and it's like, holy shit, this is way more horrifying um, than you ever this thought is, before. It was great. This is 
everything I hate about the Fantastic Four all in one issue. Uh, it's it's horribly like the the things that happen to our characters are just awful to watch. No, they They're, really they really come together as a family to save the day. They literally like goo together, and it's creepy. I don't want to see two kids melting into each other. That's so creepy on so many My levels. My kids do that all the time. Yeah. You I don't, don't want to kids. Hear. You don't. Nobody asks you about that. your goddamn kids. All they right? do that, and I respect S- them. And their <laughs> choices. That's good All right. for you. All right, unmelt. It's time for bed. You sleep <laughs> right. in separate beds. No. And then it's just Reed Richards, who's being a fucking awful father, an awful husband. The shit is just ridiculous. Uh, at, at one point, even Sue is like, yeah, you're a horrible person. I'm going to go do the good things in life while you sit there uh, by yourself, just ignoring your family and making something worse. I it just oh this issue drove me nuts because the art amplified how much I don't like uh this family and the way they're kind of put together and in in all the wrong ways and it was just not only a stressful read but horrifying don't pick up this book don't encourage this shit you hate how this family's put together I hate the fact the that first you have family of the Marvel universe you have a a, a Someone who's very smart, but then treats his family like shit. And then you've got a, a beautiful uh, a person uh, in, in Sue Storm who's ignored uh, mostly by her husband and pushed okay. aside. I see and where then you've from. got you think you could be a better husband to Sue Storm than Ree Richards. Yeah, no, and you want to... to marry Sue Storm? Exactly. No, that's not... Don't put. Don't. Try to shrink me, you fucking piece of shit. Don't shrink me. Let me say this, Pete. What, let me put you put in this perspective. Don't you think that to your cat, you're the Reed Richards that's too busy recording his podcast to spend time with the cat? And maybe the cat needs a little bit more attention? How does it feel? How does it feel to be the Reed Richards of your it cat? It is kind of interesting, uh, not to back up Justin's point, but your goopy arm is in a bucket right now, Pete. So uh, what do you have to say about that? <laughs> I think you guys are assholes, and I can't believe I've done a show with you for this many years. That's what I have to say. About. We're the first family of the comic book club universe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the Valeria. <laughs> Interesting choice. Wow. Great book. Definitely pick it up. Next up in Unearth, number eight from Image Comics Story by Cullen Bunn and Kyle Strom, uh, art by Baltimore Rivas. I think we talked about the first issue of this, which was like, ooh, going into cave, are there monsters in the cave? It's evolved since then. Yes. Um, there's a lot of different things happening in this book. Um, really like the art. This is like a... Uh, it's just like a series of vignettes from a horror horror TV show or like an Outer Limits type TV show. Yeah, it feels um, very like Clive Barker Books of Blood to me. Yeah, um, but it's it's good. I'm I'm into it. I'm into it. Yeah, it's scary. The arts, uh, the real hero, uh, very cool issue. Kind of sets things up. I thought it was solid. All right, let's move on to a book uh, with a thing that happened uh, that Pete mentioned earlier. Batman 104 from DC Comics, written by yeah. James Todd the Fourth, art by Ryan Benjamin and Danny Mickey, Bengal and Gillam March. This is the book 
where Nightwing fills in Batgirl about everything that's been going on with Ghostmaker. Pete, what'd you think about this one? Yes, thank you. Sorry about earlier, but I thought it was... We, I thought, uh, you know, it's funny. We talked about it on the live show. How do you keep all the books straight? Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes we sometimes, don't. <laughs> sometimes you don't. Yeah. Uh, sometimes you think you're talking about one book, but you're actually talking about another. But yeah, like I mentioned, I thought it was really cool the way we kind of got uh, Ghostmaker's uh, backstory from the perspective of Nightwing. Also, really cool kind of scary moment where Batman wakes up in Arkham. And I love the kind of like moment where they're like, the plants told us. Uh, I love that. Um, I love the Batgirls joke. Uh, Yeah, and I also like this kind of trap. Sometimes you kind of, uh, our heroes get stuck in the trap and you're like, meh. Uh, But this is very interesting to see how this is going to work between Clown Hunter and Harley Quinn. And, uh, you know, how this is all going to kind of go down. But, uh, yeah, great issue of Batman. Amazing art. Um, This whole kind of Ghostmaker thing is very interesting. Um, I have a question for you, Pete. There are so many different artists uh, in this issue. How does does that bother you? That often bothers you when a single issue has multiple artists. Yeah, yeah. But when they're uh, woven into the story in a way where it's like if you're kind of showing something that's back in time or whatever, I think it can work if it's done well and it doesn't feel too jarring. I agree with you. And it's done really well here um, because I do think it works. And I, when I read the number of artists on the page, on the, on the uh, title page, I was like, huh. And then it really flowed nicely, which is weird because these artists are pretty distinct when it, uh, stylistically. Uh, but I thought it really worked. And I agree. Yeah. This, this book is fun. Yeah, good stuff. Next up, Backtrack number nine from Oni Press, written by Brian Joins, art by Jake Elphick. Uh, we're getting towards the end here. I believe this is the penultimate oh, issue of yeah. the book. Uh, if you haven't been picking it up, uh, it is a car race through time here. We're leaving pirate times and finally getting some answers about what's been going on in the back. Uh, definitely a exposition issue, but I think it was well done and tied into the character's I continue to enjoy this book. This is uh, going very well in my mind. How'd you guys feel? Yeah, I really am impressed because a lot of times, sometimes I feel like when characters are standing around talking about their feelings and past and stuff, it can get a little not enjoyable. Uh, but this is done really well. And I really liked, uh, we have a character kind of talk about like the stuff that she's going through. And she's like, you know what? I'm going to stay here. I'm going to live the life that I want to lead. And I thought that was really cool. And uh, I thought this issue ended really well. I'm very excited to see how this all wraps up. So far, this has been a really fun book. Yeah, I mean, every issue of this, I feel like this uh, feels like a movie. It feels like sort of a a sci-fi Fast and the Furious uh, just ready to be made. Um, Too fast. Too fast. Too furious. Oh, interesting. Jump right to the sequel. That's the move, is to make the sequel first. First, Mm -hmm. yeah, exactly. Um. But yeah, this feels ready-made for that. I 100% agree. Uh, let's move on to something that is going to be a TV show, kind of. Modoc Head Games, number one for Marvel, written by Jordan Bloom and Pat Oswalt. Art by Scott Hepburn. Uh, this is very clearly setting up the new Modoc show that's going to be coming to Hulu with Pat Oswalt doing the voice of Modoc. Um, I don't know how much it ties into that necessarily, but this is a, a fun lark. With Modoc, he's having some weird memories that are popping up in him, um, and he is uh, fighting with the rest of AIM. Um, this is 
uh, as the same time as I say it's a fun lark, much more serious than I expected, personally. Yeah, I yeah. like that, that Modoc has really given some emotional uh, underpinnings in this. And, like, he's uh, – the sort of premise is that he's struggling with some memories because he has a bunch of different memories from all the different lives that he's had because he's a genetically engineered being. And there's this one where he seemed to be a happy family man, and I'm curious um, where that's going to go. I, I really liked that sort of heartfelt uh, background to this, and it feels like Modoc, you have sympathy for him, and he's trying to just figure his shit out. Yeah, I mean, the first off, the title made me think there was going to be maybe some lock and key tie-in, but that didn't happen, so I was a little disappointed. Uh, mm. But uh, I, I thought this was fun. I really liked the kind of... Uh, you know, Modoc falling into uh, an armory where he gets to kind of play with all the cool. That was really fun. But because we see Patton Oswald's name on it, I wanted it to be funnier. I wanted it to be heavier on the jokes. It wasn't. It was a good story. So maybe I kind of put that on that too much. Um, but yeah, yeah, I thought I thought it was good. I bet Patton Oswald listens to this podcast and says, I wish Pete was funnier. And more uh, on the jokes. He could say that. He could he say could. that. And that would be fair. That, that man is a professional <laughs> comedian. But you would say, uh, I'm a journalist, and I don't, um, I'm not some sort no, of clown. I, I would never, never say that. Huh. You write an editorial every week for the New York Times, Pete. What are you talking about? It still, still doesn't count. All right. Fair yeah, enough. Yeah, when people write a letter to the editor of the New York Times, Pete's the one that reads it. But for the Vampire Slayer from Boom Studios, written by Jordi Belair and Jeremy Lambert, illustrated by Roman Box. Uh, I just realized I didn't write down the number of the issue here. 20. 20. 20. 20. Thank you very much. There you go. Uh, But in this issue, the Scooby Gang is dealing with multiple new slayers, a Xander who is a vampire, and lots of other things going on. Um, We've checked in on this book now and again. Justin, I know you've been a little back and forth on it. So uh, what are you thinking about this one and where we are at now? Uh, I think, I I do think I'm sort of in the, on the downside of it a little bit. Like I like it. I like when they get away from, um, they get away from the, sort of continuity uh, a little bit in a deliberate way. And this feels a little like all over the place to me. Um, yeah. But again, I'm not a crazy Buffy head that is like, I got to know what happens. Um, I just want to read a fun story. And this feels like it's a little lost in the middle. Yeah, I agree. Like, I, I'm not sure if it's in between the seasons or trying to touch on thump something and be its own thing. Uh, I kind of, was hoping we'd be past this a little bit, but I feel like it's interfering with the storytelling and I just kind of want to get this thing off and running. It feels like a lot of standing around talking and then people kiss and I'm like, who are these people? What is happening? Um, yeah. Um, I, it sounds like I liked it a little bit more than you guys, particularly I think what they're doing with Xander is interesting, turning him into a vampire. The emotional stuff between him and Willow is really nice. Um, also, the twist at the end is cool. There's a new villain that I don't think we've seen before that's pretty interesting, uh, given a motivation that is very different than we've seen on the TV show, uh, which is good. 
Uh, the one downside to your point is there are a lot of slayers going on at this point, um, which potentially needs downsides, but maybe they're being set up as cannon fodder. So I guess we'll have to wait and see. Next up, uh, Far Sector number nine from DC Comics, yeah. written by N.K. Jemison and art by Jamal Campbell, a.k.a. the best Green Lantern title going on. Hell yeah. We have kind of wrapped up the first mystery of the book, or at least part of it, and are moving yeah. on to a new mystery involving the digital world that our Green Lantern is finding out more about. Pete, what's going on? Well, I just want to say, and you know, I love this book, but one of the negative things I have to say about this is uh, I was really grossed out by this digital food. Like, if this is what's going to happen in the future where people are eating food digitally and not real food, I'm not going to fucking do it. All right. I'm not going to be a part of your fucking evil future with your fucking robots running shit. Go fuck yourself. That was really upsetting to watch that happen. Other than that, though. Oh, sorry, Pete. We actually we're downloading lunch today. If you're not going to have any, then I guess I guess you just won't get to eat anything. Yeah, yeah I downloaded you a cob. Yeah, well, you can fuck your cop salad. I right. did, actually, I, I wouldn't worry too hard about it, Pete, because I feel like Subway meatball sandwiches will be one of the last downloaded foods. <laughs> I uh, will I say want- I loved the joke that they've created downloadable food that feels like food and stimulates your taste buds Awful. so it tastes like food. But Awful. it tastes terrible because it's made by robots that don't make know what things taste yes. like. So, so fun. No, it's not fun. This is where we're headed, and it's awful. Well, we're a couple. We're a couple beats away from that. I think um, <laughs> uh, as a culture, as a people. Um, but I think that's that example is so indicative of just how imaginative the series is, and how there's so many great details, and the world itself is so fully understood by uh, the writer and the artist that it makes for. Just such a great read. Like, especially this issue goes off in a totally new place. Yeah, she has uh, a new lead. It's very exciting. A crazy last page. Uh, I can't say enough about the art is the real hero of this. And uh, the story just keeps getting better. There, It doesn't... It doesn't kind of set in a pattern and stay there. It keeps exploring it. It's as creative as it looks. I, I'm just constantly impressed by this. By this. I, it, it's great. It reminds me a little bit of the um, the comic book Die, the Kieran mm-hmm. Gillen book. Sure, sure, sure. Um, in, in a good way. So if you're a fan of that book and aren't reading this, which seems crazy, uh, you should uh, come – Come, come check it out. Yeah, Let's read move on comics. to another fantasy sci-fi book, Dryad, number seven from Oni Pass, uh, written by Curtis Weeb, illustrated by Justin Barcello. Uh, this is dealing with the massive twist from the last issue, turn away if you don't want to know, that the kids that we've been following the entire time are, in fact, adopted, is to put it lightly. Basically, they were discovered in tubes by their parents and then spirited away from there. They're dealing with that ramification. The parents are dealing with the fallout as well. Um, In particular, what I loved about this issue is the kids finally embracing and moving on with their lives and finding a fun time in the cyberpunk city. Finding other teens. Finding other teens. Just a fun montage sequence that I enjoyed quite a bit. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough to find out you're a tube kid. You know, that's that's got to be tough. I felt like they they handled it well. Um, but yeah, this continues to be like every time you get an issue of this book, you have no idea where it's going to go or what's going to do. It's very creative. The storytelling is very interesting and fresh. Um, yeah, this continues to surprise in a good way. Yeah, I I like this book a lot too. A lot of books, or this is a it's a common, it's almost a cliche at this point that oh, science and magic they're the same thing, man. Just <laughs> different energies, man. And yeah, th- everybody knows that, man. I feel like it's all tubes, man. Everything's a tube. <laughs> Your body's a tube. I was a, ripping a, tubes earlier, man. A sub is a, just a tube. A beer can is a tube with beer in it that you open on one end and drink out the inner tube of the outer tube. What? Um. So anyway, what was I talking about? <laughs> um, no, uh, dry this, number seven. Yes, no. This book um, really walks the walk of science and magic being the same thing in a way that other books sort of uh, tell but don't show. And this book really feels like the one of the first books I've read where science and magic are the same thing, and these characters are trying to use them and control those those two those singular forms of energy, um, uh, but and failing a lot. Yeah, uh, great stuff. Definitely pick up this book. Next up, Black Widow, number four from Marvel, written by Kelly Thompson, art by Elena Casagrande and Jordi Belair. Uh, this title has been phenomenal from the get-go. So good. As Black Widow had her memory wiped, we finally find out exactly what happened in the past in this issue. She's been captured by Arcade, working for a shadowy cabal of Black Widow's enemies, given a husband, given a baby. And this issue, she's finally trying to bake it to all back, as usual with Kelly Thompson's book, equal amounts of characterization and absolute heartbreak by the end. Uh, this has been a banner run on Black Widow, and I cannot get enough. It's a Bruce Banner run, and I... uh, Come on. Come on. Um, I agree. This is my other favorite book uh, of the week. So good. Uh, The art's fantastic. The covers by Adam Hughes, both the cover of this issue and the next issue cover, I was, like, blown away by. And, yeah, the story is just uh, excellent. It's... I mean... uh, You really feel for the characters. It's just Marvel being smart. Like, okay, we got a Black Widow uh, movie coming out. Let's put some great talent on the Black Widow book and get people excited. It's just a a phenomenal story. The art's unbelievable. Storytelling's fantastic. It's really great. Such a good book. Uh, Next up, Strange Adventures, number seven from DC Comics, written by Tom King, art by Mitch Gerards and Evan Doc Shaner. Uh, In this issue, we're dealing with a little bit of the fallout that it turns out that Adam Strange's wife might not actually be the bad guy of the story, as we've suspected for most of this time. Turns out it might actually be Adam Strange himself. And in this issue, we get uh, the usual dual timelines for the book. Uh, We see Adam Strange being tortured by an agent of the Pict, uh, and in the present, he reveals that he's made some mistakes, but maybe doesn't reveal all his mistakes. Um, man, again, such a great issue, gorgeous art throughout, but it really changes a lot what I personally thought about what was going on in this series, and like a lot of Tom King stuff, makes me feel like, okay, I'm going to have to read this and then go back and read yeah. the entire thing again to really get what has been going on. We yeah, got, uh, this is my other favorite book of the week. <laughs> uh, it's such a good I, – I feel like this issue really sort of pops the cork on the series, I think, in a way – Tom King 
is often you don't quite know what sort of emotional or uh or psychological area he's exploring for a bit it's like oh this person is dealing with some sort of trauma um and in this gets compared to mr miracle a lot where mr miracle was sort of uh, depressed, but his adventures gave, was, gave him the next emotional uh, truth that he needed. And it feels like this is almost the opposite, where Adam Strange has been so hardened by his adventures that he may have become a villain. And I think it's about trauma. It's about what it's like to actually be in war. This feels like it takes some of the themes from Heroes in Crisis and uh, maybe uses them in a an easier to deploy way, a more clean way, uh, as opposed uh, to that book, which a lot of people criticize for being a little obvious, I guess. Uh, yeah. I mean, a lot of crazy things happen in this issue. Um, you know, you want to talk about the tubes, this gets real uh, trippy in this issue. Um, and, I would love uh, to talk about tubes. Yeah. Let's tube. do it. Well, make sure they're milky. If you're, if you're going to do it, make it a milky tube. Um, but yeah, the Batman, I don't care for tyranny line was unbelievable. You're talking about uh, an ice cream cone? Milky what? tube? No, Milky I'm tube? Talking, I'm not talking about an ice cream cone. Rocket uh, pop? No, no. I'm not talking about a Choco Taco either, just to cut you off there. But, uh, you talking yeah, about I a Choco Taco? Ta- oh, yep. No. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of snapping necks in this issue, which I appreciated a lot of action that uh, we we finally kind of get some information that really turns the story on its head, if you will. <laughs> it's a snap and neck joke, uh, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I was. Uh, this continues to be weird in all the right ways and uh, keeps you wanting more. Um, that freaking T King, I tell you. T King, uh, spill your T King. That's what I always say. Next up, Ink Blot number four from Image Comics, created by oh. Emma Kubert and Rusty Glad. Uh, I, I gotta say, I've been warming to this book after not initially liking it that much. Love the art. Thought the character design of the cat was great, but yep. understanding that each issue is kind of its own adventure involving the cat has made me appreciate the book more and in this one a bunch of dudes are fighting a sphinx i guess um but it's fun it has a nice weird light tone throughout and i know it took me four issues to come around but i'm enjoying quite a bit more wow that's funny because it's like the reveal on this was kind of almost a letdown for me because it was like we kind of got a little bit more of what the cat's deal is in this issue and I, i liked it kind of being its own thing so i was almost a little disappointed when it made a little sense so that's funny that like it got better for you uh but yeah the art is unbelievable the cat is just super cute and fun to watch go on adventures um pete do you think i know i'm theorizing about your cat a lot but do you think (laughs) that this is what when you're ignoring your cat and being like a bad uh cat husband first off uh, how dare you i am a fantastic cat husband. no you're reading the reed richards your cat looks over at you and is like oh there he goes again with his podcasting experiments (laughs) trying to solve the podcasting mysteries his goopy arm is in a bucket as usual and then your cat travels um through time and encounters different adventures of their own it would it would be quite amazing. I mean, it would explain why my cat is so tired all the time. There you go. Um, I like this book as well. 
<laughs> Great. Moving on to Daredevil number 25 from Marvel, written by Chip Sidarsky and art by Marco Cicchetto. Uh Daredevil is in prison, and Elektra is not happy about it. We're kicking off the next arc here, as Elektra has a plan of her own, of course, as to what she needs Daredevil for. Big stuff goes down here. Um, Pete, I know you're a little mixed about the last issue. How'd you feel about this one? I like this. I really like getting the kind of uh, Electro Nachos uh, side of things. And like, uh, I, you know, sometimes when she's written, it feels like it's not a real person, but I kind of like this perspective and her trying to be daredevil for daredevil. I thought that was very cool take. Um, uh, yeah, I thought, I mean, of course the art's unbelievable, but I I'm really getting into daredevil more and I'm hoping chip, uh, does foggy, right. Uh, Foggy seems to be losing his spot. I think the sun is finally coming up and drying up the fog, uh, which I'm fine with. Um, nope. I love Marco Cicchetti's art is excellent. You got that wild Electra hair. This lady's yeah. hair is going every which way. Yep. Um, she's got zero G hair. Um, it's a lot of flyaways, which um, she needs some Pantene Pro V. This podcast, oh as what? always, sponsored by Pantene Pro V. Wow, dude. You got flyaways? Pantene Pro V. Um, and what I give Chip Zdarsky a credit for with this, uh, with the writing of this book is moving past the parts we've sort of done a bunch before. Like Daredevil putting himself in jail and going into court and all that. We've seen that a lot in the past um, couple, you know, 15 years, say. So he sort of moves past it, and Daredevil is in jail, leaving Elektra on the streets to become sort of a new Daredevil, and setting up this new sort of hand uh, mystery, getting back with Stick. Um, there's a yeah, the King Stick and Queen, come like, back. This is a lot of fun. Uh, great pivot, um, and a book I've really been enjoying lately. Uh, last but not least, let's talk about The Boys, Dear Beckery, number seven from Dynamite, written by Garth Ennis, illustrated by Russ Braun. This is the last issue of this new The Boys series, focusing on Wee Huey as he finds out an unknown tale of Butcher's past, specifically the death of Becky, his wife, as you could probably figure it out, and how he dealt with that and how he became the butcher that we know when The Boys starts. Uh, what'd you think about this wrap up here? Uh, it's an interesting take on Thanksgiving. You know, um, yeah, really kind of like I know uh, I'm not the only one who's kind of felt that way. If like, you know, you just wish you could take an axe to a table full of people you don't like. But I think, uh, you know, the boys does a great job of like giving you a little bit of heart and then fucking around and being insane. And, uh, you know, Garth Ennis is twisted in all the right ways. And this is a kind of a crazy fun read. That's a life motto I think we all stick by. A little bit of heart and fucking around. <laughs> all right, Pete. Uh, I uh, I agree. This, is, I, I, this was um, – it was very chatty. Uh, I was surprised yeah. by how much of this book was about exploring the backstory of, of Butcher in a way that didn't feel crazy. Maybe the TV – watching the TV show has – um, sort of trod this territory already that we're we're covering here, um, just in not necessarily in the content, but in the performances and uh, the way they sort of play these roles. That I wasn't surprised by a lot of the information in it, um, so I, I wanted a little bit more out of just the storytelling in general. I wanted more to happen. 
Yeah, I can see that. I think, as usual with Garth Edison's stuff, he does he writes great dialogue. He does good characters. I don't think this takes away from the boys in any way. It's not one of those sequels, prequels, whatever, that feels like, ah, oh, why'd you go back to the well here? It's something that if I read through the boys, I would be happy to read this volume as well. And in fact, it might read better as a complete story versus in the individual issues. Uh, and Russ Braun's art is very good. It, it fits in well with Derek Robinson's art. Um, so that was nice to see. All in all, I think this was a solid series. Uh, to your point, not 100% necessary with the boys, but it doesn't take away from it either. Indeed. Agreed. All right. We agreed, are all... indeed. Agreed, agreed, indeed. indeed. Agreed, indeed. Agreed, agreed, indeed. And if you want to hear more of this song that we're singing, no. patreon.com slash comic book club. Support the show and other shows we do. We also do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Uh, to Crowdcast and YouTube. Come hang out. We'll chat it with you about comic books. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe and listen to the show at Comic Book Live on Twitter. ComicBookClubLive.com for this podcast many more. Until next time, this has been Comic Book Club. Goodbye.